Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. Another busy weekend for PTFC. Uh, the Portland Timbers started it out with a one-to-one draw at FC Dallas, uh, a game that they had some flashes of improvement, but you know, still a shorthanded team, still not quite in form yet, uh, but but showed some significant signs of of being a whole heck of a lot better than they were against the LA Galaxy and and miles better than they were in that trip to Atlanta. Uh, And the Portland Thorns did what they do. They won four to one at KC in a game that was uh, competitive for about a 20 minute stretch in the middle. And then the rest of it was just Portland Thorns soccer embodied, uh, especially that first half, just a really dominant showing from the Thorns against one of the better teams in NWSL. Um, one of the announcers for CBS described the Thorns as being in mid-season form, and I would say that is absolutely correct for for this group. Uh, we'll start with the Timbers, though. Uh, really, a, a, I, I think a potential uh, graded on a curve, as Chris Reifer said off-air, uh, turning point for, for the team as, as they were really in, in a rough go uh, for multiple weeks. Now they're starting to get players back. Um, their form, regardless of who's on the field, seems to be improving. And then the new guy, Frank Boley, was the uh, the hero at the end with his left foot. Just an absolute rocket uh, on the assist from Dyron Espria and Diego Chara uh, on, on a great play there. So, uh, Chris, overall thoughts as, as the Timbers come out of a, a positive result, which we didn't really expect out of the Dallas. Game. Yeah, it is a positive result. And I think if this happened under normal circumstances, we'd probably be sitting here saying, yeah, the performance was not super great, but they did a good job to find a way to get a, a point on the road against a pretty good team. Uh, and that's nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, that's, you know, if you're getting a point on the road against pretty good teams, that's that consistently, that's a good thing. And good teams do that. Uh, I don't think there there was a lot in the performance that, you know, made me feel like that the Timbers are ready to catch fire by any means uh, and run roughshod over MLS. <laughs> I don't think we saw that, but it was better. Uh, it was, I mean, it was certainly much better than their last road game at, at Atlanta United. Uh, I, I think they had, they created a couple chances. They looked a little bit sharper on the break in a couple instances in which they created a couple chances, but there weren't a ton of chances in, in the game for the Timbers. I think most of the XG models have them under one XG for the, for the game and pretty comfortably under one XG for the game. And that was about right. (laughs) There were a couple chances, but, but, but it was, it was certainly not a shooting gallery in front of Dallas's goal, but to the Timbers credit, it also wasn't exactly a shooting gallery in front of the Timbers goal either. Dallas had the better of the chances in the game, but it, it, and, and, and Ali Azivicic, who, uh, made a miraculous comeback from his, uh, off field adventures last week, um, uh, had a couple nice saves, uh, a couple, one really good one, uh, on a little bit of a deflected shot, uh, that he, that he pawed just beyond the post, um, and, and had a couple other nice moments, but it's, it wasn't a game in which Ivicic had to be a hero. Uh, and I think that is a a good and important sign of progress uh, from where this team was, because for the first stretch of the season, they they needed a hero <laughs> between the sticks. They, they often didn't have it, 
it's not even clear that it would have helped in in some instances. I don't think there is any goalkeeper in the world uh, that could have uh, that could have given him a chance in Atlanta. Um, and and but they didn't need that here today uh, or in, in, this week. And so I, I think that's a that's an important sign of progress. Frankly, I think the midfield balance, they've clearly been been putting a lot into that, right? They've clearly been uh, trying to figure out how that balance is going to work with Eric Williamson, with Diego Chara. I think they've gotten Williamson in a position where he's defending fairly effectively and quite a bit more. Uh, and and I think that was helpful uh, against, uh, uh, against the burn uh, and helped them not get into the posture that they got into in Atlanta where the game was just wide open. Uh, and, uh, and Dallas was, was just tearing them up. That didn't happen. And I think because they did a good job with that fast forward to this week and there are some problems there. Uh, some maybe some, maybe storm clouds on the horizon going forward in that respect. Uh, but overall, I think you come away from this saying that's a good sign of progress and it's, it's, it's a, a good development for the team overall. Right. I, I think that improving their defensive shape was probably the first order of business before anything else. Right. You know that this team, for the most part, is um, not necessarily going to create as many chances as some of the top scoring teams in MLS. They they have given their limitations in personnel, given the struggles they have had uh, at the striker position in particular, um, keeping games low scoring and close is kind of what they've got to do until maybe something comes to fruition there. Maybe Evander is finally unlocking guys around him. He, he gets healthy and, and back into the mix here. Uh, he, he is going to play on Saturday against Vancouver. The question is how many minutes is he going to start? Uh, what does that look like for him? Do they have um, other potential starters there? No, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like that's just the answer to that, right? They don't. So like if he's yeah. not going to start, yeah. it's it's unclear who is. Yeah, exactly. Noel Classican, come on down. <laughs> yeah, bring him up. He, he had a heck of a goal uh, for T2. Got to give him a shout out. Um, that saw that video on, on PTFC's socials. He's a guy that could factor in in the future, I think, for, for this club for sure uh, at that position. But no, I mean, adding Bowley is, is, a, is something that could – now, as as we've seen him take advantage of his five total minutes that he's been on the field uh, with tremendous efficiency, uh, he he has, I think, tied Yarrow in terms of shots, and his one shot is uh, is a goal. So, that's, I, in fairness, uh, that's I think a... Nishgod has two shots now on on the oh, season, okay. uh, but only so one shot on goal. So there. they are tied in terms of shots on goal. Oh, oh man, that's brutal. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, in five minutes. It it got him to the to the even mark with him and shots on goal. So that's that's something. Uh, I don't think Bowley's gonna be in starting shape quite yet this weekend. Uh, he, he's somebody that'll probably come off the bench late in the second half again. Um, the question is, do do they stick with Nathan there? Because Nathan has kind of been all over the place. He struggled a bit. Um, do they give Tega another look? Do they? I mean, they. It's still a bit of a question mark until they get Bowley to a point where they feel like he can play a full ninety. Um, I think that's a reasonable but, question. I do want to point yeah. out though that in the Timbers' best moments in Dallas, Nathan was involved. Yes, I, he I, was. I he, think, had, he had a good game overall, yeah. but had some some really rough moments, and you could hear Gio yelling yeah. at him. And it was and yeah. and I think that's that's exactly what kind of the book is on him, especially in in sort of the finishing product. He's still lacking. Uh, and he needs to be sharper and he needs to get to that point. I actually think he would really benefit from being like the guy at T2 for a while to just get those reps in consistently and to be in those positions consistently and to sharpen that a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I think Nathan remains a little bit of a project, but it's a project that like there's something to work with there. And, and you can see it in those moments when he's combining and when he's getting out on into the open field that there is something to work with, uh, with Nathan, which is more than I can say for some others. Yeah. And, um, you know, another exciting thing on the attack that, um, was an immediate improvement and contribution was the addition of Dyron Espria. Uh, he's somebody that, that I, I think could start on Saturday and, um, be that person on the wing that they have desperately needed. You know, Marvin Loria started a lot of games, uh, in the absence of Jimmy Chara and he, he's got speed, but 
you know, when it comes down to the end, you know, making that final pass, finishing, uh, he, he hasn't really been there. Uh, Santiago Moreno is still struggling. Honestly, he he hasn't found his form yet, and he had an attempt uh, in in this Dallas game that um, hit the crossbar and the post that would have been really really good for his confidence. It just didn't go in, and I think it's a sign of progress at yeah. least for him that he was as active as he was, especially in that first half. But you know, uh, Dyron um, and his cool new floppy hairstyle uh, are are back. And uh, he he's going to be, you know, somebody that even at his age is, is going to be important for them uh, as they, they try to turn the corner on the attack. I think defensively, though, you know, back to to that side, um, Zach McGraw has been superb this year. I, I think he's been Portland's most consistent and important player so far um, outside of potentially Eric Williamson, who we will talk about momentarily with his injury situation. Um Zach's just been solid, man. You know, making making last plays to to prevent attempts, to prevent you know dangerous passes. He, he's he's been there, and um, from a leadership standpoint, it, it seems like he's he's really you know gelling into into that type of a role as well. Which, well, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So let let's back up uh, with Santiago Moreno. Uh, it, uh, I think. You know, sort of, sort of like last week with the galaxy. If you want to take a couple pulls of hopium, I do think you're right that you can see some flashes in which he was more decisive and a little bit more of the goal directness that we have seen from him in the past. I mean, that was the thing that that immediately stood out with him after he was signed in 2021, and that we saw a good amount of in 2022. Is that even when playing from the midfield, even when coming from a wide position, he was always pretty direct in terms of how he was advancing the ball oh and and I think he's lost a bit of that this year and has looked a little bit more adrift and I think there were times against Dallas and I emphasize times because it wasn't always the case but there were times when he looked more like that old self and I think that's you know if if you're looking for things to say maybe he's coming out of his funk a little bit maybe there's something there We'll see. Good opportunity against Vancouver, although it's not a great place to play the ball on the turf because the turf is really bad in in Vancouver, and there's just not a lot of ball playing that happens. Oh, but again, uh, but the Whitecaps certainly coming off a absolute pumping by LAFC and CCL last night uh, seem ripe for somebody like Santi Moreno to come in and exploit them a bit. And so, you know, you would, it, well, it'll be, I mean, that's one of the big things I think to watch in, in this game this week is whether Moreno can sort of build on some of the moments that he had against Dallas that I think were, were overall pretty positive, even though you're right, he didn't get the ultimate uh, payoff. With respect to Espria, you know, what he brings really is something that the Timbers have needed. We've talked a lot about in this space how the Timbers' attack has been very, very, very narrow this year, uh, where when they get into the final third, basically everything is happening within the width of the box. And that's just a really hard way to attack, right? It, it It's easy for four defenders to defend just the box. The, I mean, there it's just not a lot of space, and it doesn't take putting too many people in there to just kind of clog things up. And that's why the Timbers have had a lot of moments in which they've been able to move through midfield and then they've gotten into the final third and things just kind of grind to a halt and nothing happens. Nothing comes. Of it. The, uh, the thing that Dyrona Spreer brings, and he's brought this throughout his entire career, is he does bring final third width. He is a guy that's going to, as a winger, play wide. Uh, and he's going to play wide in, in the final third, too. Uh, and I think that's exactly what we saw on the goal. He's making a, a, a run that comes from basically the touchline. Diego Chara finds him, puts puts one over the top for him, and he does a good job to win the first ball and put it into Bully's path. Oh, I don't know if Dyrona Spria is going to end up being sort of the, the, a difference maker, but he does bring something that they've really lacked, and that's just been a structural problem for their attack and has been why they've felt like they're trying to attack into a phone booth for much of the season. And so maybe he can help them sort of break up Get bust out of the phone booth 
uh, and 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 have more structure uh, and create more lateral space in, in their attack. I agree with respect to McGraw, uh, sort of taking things uh, chronologically as you had in your uh, in your segment there. Uh, I agree with respect to McGraw. I think I think he is he's acquitted himself reasonably well. I think he's a guy who I don't think there are a lot of questions about whether he can be in contention to be an MLS starter. But we are now 18 days away from the close of the primary transfer window. We know the Timbers have been saying they're in the market for a center back. We have seen absolutely nothing in terms of rumors or anything like that. Transfer window closes on April 24th. We're recording on Thursday the 6th. It is Thursday, right? I, I don't know things like days of the week anymore. Um, but but the, I mean, that's a big question. And if they do make a sort of TAM level, the kind of TAM level center back signing that I think we expect them to make, who's on the chopping block? I would think it's probably Dario Zuperich if, if, if that person comes in and performs. Uh, I think McGraw has put himself in, in a reasonably strong spot. Um, but that remains a question. And of course, it remains a question as to whether the Timbers are actually going to be able to complete that signing. Uh, which has been a challenge for them over the course of uh, of this off season and post off season, which I think is what we can probably call uh, call this first stretch of the Timbers regular season, the post off season. Uh, and 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 so I, I think those are big questions that should be on folks' mind. Right, you know, the, Geo has publicly mentioned the the pursuit of a center back, and then he he also at one point mentioned the pursuit of a potentially another midfielder, which. Um, I mean, they had a midfielder visit, uh, yesterday. His name was Diego Valeri. No, they, <laughs> they're, they're not going to sign Valeri. Uh, let's, let's put that to bed <laughs> right yeah. now. Uh, but they did give him a really cool ax signed by uh, everybody on the team. He visited everyone. Uh, so it was, it was nice to see El Maestro back, uh, back where he belongs. Uh, just visiting the guys, catching up with old friends, uh, really, really cool moment for the club. One thing we we saw him uh, on Instagram with Sebastian Blanco, not a surprise. Yes. They are long. They have like they're basically lifelong friends, <laughs> so not a surprise at all. Uh, but I, I I do think that combined with Blanco being back out of training uh, early this week has kind of just started up the conversation again about whether the Timbers are likely to see Blanco back, whether the Timbers might eventually have to put Blanco on the season-ending injury list because, remember, under the new rules this year, you can put one player on the season-ending injury list, even a sort of TAM-level player like Blanco is, and get a lot of cap relief in doing so. But that basically means he would be out for the season, and that means he would be out for the rest of his contract with the Timbers, and that probably means his career is over. And so, I mean, these are these are really weighty questions uh, about whether Blanco is going to get back, whether Blanco can get back and how the Timbers are going to make decisions around that. They're extremely sensitive questions, but I think they're getting less and less avoidable. You talked to Gio uh, maybe a little bit about this this week. I can't remember if you did talk about this. Um, yes. But uh, I mean, what what is the feeling you have? So they, they feel optimistic about it now. They They said that before... Uh, it may not have been so optimistic in terms of Blanco being able to return to the field, but um, now there there have been developments in his recovery, according to Gio Savarese, that indicate that uh, Sebastian Blanco should be able to make a return to the field this season. The question is when, and and they don't know. I what I have seen from him on the field the last time I saw him at training uh, was not this past week, but the week prior. Uh, he was with Stephanie Ludwig. He ran 85% sprints. So that's basically, you know, they estimate him running at about 85% of his possible sprint speed. He did that for the first time in, in a while, according to what he was saying to everybody as he walked by. But as he walked by, he was very stiff. His leg, uh, his knee, uh, made it very difficult for him to walk. It, it was stiff and, and um, didn't seem terribly comfortable. Now he, he had a smile on his face and, and seemed excited. So it's not like that pain and that stiffness was causing him any potential anguish that in that moment. Good news though. <laughs> I think that he viewed it from, from that point as, as progress, but the fact that he, he was having that difficulty 
just doing that um is, that's is really sort of a sign of, of how progress. severe it is yeah yeah it's a sign of what what the seriousness of the situation is i mean he he spoke about it at length earlier in the season the idea that you know he couldn't get down and play with his daughter couldn't walk up the stairs without help um and, and really the feeling around the team is like it's it's a wonder that he was able to play last season as much as he did on essentially one leg and you know it's a testament to his competitive fire that he despite this despite everything pointing to to potentially this being the end for him as a player uh that he is still fighting to to get back on the field you know that that's the fiery competitor that he is and and it's about more than than just you know the money and the contract for him it's it's he he wants to prove something and that's always been Sabo's personality and it's why he's been beloved and endeared by uh, by the Timbers fans. You can't have watched Sebastian Blanco very much and have missed the fact that he is really really passionate about the game. That is extru- that is obvious, blindingly obvious if you've watched this guy play. Uh and Timbers fans have watched him play for a lot of years now and and his service to the club has been exemplary. I think these are really hard questions. I think this is going to be extremely sensitive because I think you're spot on that I would not expect Blanco to be the kind of guy who would be just okay kind of hanging him up uh, if he thought there was even a sliver of a chance that he could get back out on the field. I, I, so I, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I just don't think he would be that kind of guy. And I think the Timbers are going to be, the longer this drags out, there's just a timing component to it for the Timbers, right? I don't expect the Timbers to try to use that his cap space in the primary transfer window. I think that ship sailed quite a while ago. It's just just not enough time. Uh, and you don't, want to, you don't want to call it for Blanco this early, uh, I think is, is fair to say. I don't think the Timbers want to call it for Blanco this early. They, they, they want to be more respectful of him. They want to give him a fair shot to get his body where it needs to be to be on the field this season and contributing. And they should, it would be scandalous if they didn't. Right. Yeah. Jim even made a point to say that, you know, they, they want to honor what he's done for the club and, and that's giving him every opportunity to get back on the field. But the summer transfer window does, is not that long after the close of the primary transfer window, right? The primary transfer window closes at the end of April, a couple months, and then the summer transfer window opens in July. And if the Timbers are going to use Blanco's cap space, which is pretty significant, so it would be a pretty significant signing in the summer transfer window, they kind of need to start working on that pretty soon. I mean, these deals don't generally come together overnight. They can sort of close quickly. You know, the the last 10% sometimes goes fast. But there's a whole lot of that 90% of work of of identification and scouting and 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 the initial contacts and initial gauges of interest and all of that that doesn't happen overnight. And so it's they're not too far away from having to start at least entertaining those possibilities. Uh, if they're if they're going to sign somebody in the summer transfer window to to replace Blanco, and the only way they could do that is by the summer transfer window, they sort of made the final call of yes, Blanco's injury is season ending, and he's going to go on this list. So, candidly, I, I you know there is there is more runway. It's not like they're going to have to make this call this week, but that runway isn't forever, and notwithstanding Gio's stated optimism, I think just sort of the bare facts of he's still not training consistently. You, I mean, of, of just what you saw uh, suggests that, that it's, I mean, this is going to be a real question. And, you know, I mean, there are ways where the, the Timbers need to be frankly, very careful. And Ned Gravavoy needs to be very delicate. And how he handles the situation. Because this is like the kind of thing that if you don't handle it right, can just be a total disaster. Players union grievances, league investigations, all those kind of kinds of things. Because if you're going to place a guy on the season ending injury list, 
he's got to have a season ending injury. <laughs> and if the Timbers aren't doing their due diligence, you could pretty easily foresee a situation in which the Timbers are saying he has a season ending injury. He's not going to be able to come back and, and, and help us this year. And Blanco's saying, wait a minute, I'm not done. Uh, and then he goes to the players union that says, wait a minute, he's not done. You can't just like shove this guy on the season ending injury list if, if he doesn't have a season ending injury. And the league is saying, wait a minute, you can't get cap space unless a guy has an actual season ending injury. Uh, what, what You can't sign somebody to, to fill that spot. And so you can see how this can blow up in their face. And so I think it makes sense, even if the Timbers still have some doubts, that they at this point would be putting on an optimistic public face about this because they need to both genuinely and publicly give Blanco the opportunity to, to get back to where he can be on the field. Um, but yeah, it, it, this is a, it's a really, really fraught one. It's a really fraught one. And, uh, I don't envy Ned Grabovoy. I don't envy Gio. I don't envy the doctors who are going to be, you know, in and around the, 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 this decision and figuring how this goes. Unless of course he really does just get back and get, get back on the field. And then that solves all these problems, uh, or at least, at least answers these questions. Uh, even if the Timbers maybe would prefer in their honest moments to do something a little bit different with that cap space in the summer. Right. And the reality as it presents itself now seems to be that if he does come back, um, it's going to be, you know, later in the season, probably it'll be for a few games for a few minutes here and there. And, and that honestly might be it for, for his career. And that, that would be a sad thing because of how, um, exciting Sebastian Blanco has been as a player, how, how high character of an individual he is, what he means to the city of Portland. Um, it would be tough, but, but this is, is something that Portland sports fans have been through before they, you know, they saw it happen. And I, I hesitate to bring it up, but with Brandon Roy on the trailblazers, they, they Valeri, saw, yeah, Valeri is the most recent and specific example to the Timbers. Like he, he, started to lose a step toward the end and, and wasn't really able to make the regular rotation. And, and that was um, sad to see for, for the guy that was the stalwart, the the flag bearer for this club. Yeah. And it, it's a real possibility for Blanco and, and the team is optimistic. And I personally hope to see him back on the field because I think that that would be a, a great way to, to, complete his career in in the right way for him to fight back through this and, and prove that he could do it right at the end uh, and right off into the sunset with his adorable family. You know, it's, it, it'd be an awesome yeah. uh, capstone. And, and the Timbers yeah. would love the storybook ending too. I mean, you know, make no mistake about that. That, that is, that would be plan a for everybody is to sort of have that storybook ending of Blanco getting healthy, coming back, being sort of a, an impactful super sub, and and having that be the capstone on his career, uh, everybody wants that, but it's just a matter of whether that's that's realistic. Um, I and the, I genuinely don't know if that's realistic, uh, but it every sort of week where we see him not getting more into training, I think makes that feel more and more distant. Definitely, and one more injury to note before we move on to the thorns. Uh, Eric Williamson has a right knee injury was a recent and unexpected addition to the injury report after now Evander, David Ayala, uh, Dyron Espria all back and, and available for selection. They take a step back and, and lose Williamson. One of their two count them two defensive midfielders. Like, I guess now they got Ayala back. And he's so not maybe. a defensive midfielder to be clear. He, no, like, he, he plays one on I TV, mean, but he's not one. Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's another one that, and you've talked about Eric potentially being out of position there too. But um, you know, Ayala even more so as as a young guy, a little undersized, a little less suited to that position, is probably going to step in there. But you know, specifically speaking to Eric's injury, that's that's a right knee uh, as listed. Uh, We're recording this podcast uh, in the morning on Thursday, April sixth. I have not spoken to Gio yet about this as of this recording. 
I am going to. It's going to be the first thing I ask when he has a press <laughs> conference today at, at noon over Zoom. So I uh, just keep an eye on my Twitter account. If you haven't seen that news already, Ryan T. Clark, uh, I will post whatever update Gio provides on there, uh, among other things that he says in that presser. But uh, we will keep an eye on Eric and are hoping that it's nothing serious for him because he's he's dealt with his share of injuries. Uh, for those who may not know, it's the right knee that he's dealing with an issue right now. Uh, not the same knee as he had the torn ACL and, and the difficult recovery from that. Uh, that was his left knee that he had the ACL. So good luck to Eric. Yeah, uh, good luck to Eric and good luck to the Timbers uh, on, on on that one. I mean, I still have longer term concerns about whether Eric and Evander are going to fit and how they're going to fit on the field together. Because if, when you look at this team on talent alone, those are two absolute no brainer starters uh, in terms of just the best soccer players they have. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I worry somewhat about whether they, they, whether and how they can coexist. If Eric is going to defend more like he did in Dallas, then I, I think maybe you can, see an, uh, a path to that where you know you've got Chara as the six Eric is a two-way eight and Evander sort of playing as the more advanced eight advanced eight in the in the four three three who's primarily going to be an attacking presence that's a possibility but uh it, it but I, I I think it's a it's a it's a tough needle to thread and uh <laughs> that that is apparently at least next week's problem um uh, with uh, with Williamson now out uh, against Vancouver, whether Evander can be that kind of two way presence, I don't think we really know. He was brought in to play as a ten to be a more attacking kind of threat, uh, or at least the most advanced eight in a four three three in in the central midfield three. And I don't know if he can be that two way kind of player. Do they bring in Ajala to play alongside Chara? That's a possibility. Candidly, I don't know a lot else <laughs> that they could do given the the personnel available. Oh, um, yeah, with no Paredes, yeah, with, like with, that, without Paredes, yeah, that's your only option. That that is just about it. Uh, maybe they they do Chara, Evander, and Moreno centrally uh, with with uh, Espria uh, starting and and maybe Loria starting starting uh, on the wings. Who's probably Gutierrez? Uh, at this probably point Gutierrez at, over Loria. Yep. That's uh, that that's probably right. Although. You know, I I don't think either has shown that they're plus MLS players uh, at at this stage, and so you know, one or the other. And yeah, uh, I I think I I think the, the those are big selection problems uh, for Gio Savarese going into a game that I actually think is pretty darn important. Uh, to be candid, uh, as, as I talked about a few minutes ago, Vancouver just got crushed by LAFC last night in their home leg. Oof. Three zero, uh, zero three, really, in their home leg uh, in CCL to LAFC, uh, a game that was competitive up until halftime, and then in the second half, LAFC just came out and Benny's Buanga just absolutely crushed him. Just absolutely, just crushed him. Guy's a monster. He he has become a monster, uh, and he ate the White Caps alive. It was it was hard to watch for about a 15 minute stretch uh where the they were just in the torture chamber and go ahead speaking of torture chambers of torture chambers <laughs> of, of dominant goal scoring presences i want to give uh credit to and transition into talking about uh miss sophia smith and her complete and utter midpoint just I, w- I was i was finishing off the timbers and then you're like no we are not talking about the timbers future we are going to the thorns i'm i'm pressing through man it's it's like what soph did on her third goal where you know you're you're like all the little casey defenders that were trying to stop her and she just bowled through all of them and was like you know what we're doing this that's I've, what I'm i've got right a better now. defense than, than than the current do i'm finishing the point and then we can go talk about Soph. Uh, <laughs> okay, the, 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 the point is uh i mean vancouver is pretty beat up from the ccl uh from the ccl game uh and and they've got a leg two on tuesday Although it's probably a formality of a leg two, a bit of a ride into Paris for LAFC uh, in the CCL quarterfinal. This, though, is a really important opportunity for the Timbers to get points. 
because we're looking ahead at the schedule, as we discussed last week, looking ahead at the schedule, it is tough for the next few weeks after this. And so if the Timbers are going to get points in April, this is their best shot. And notwithstanding all these selection issues, if they don't do it, I think you look ahead at games against Seattle at home, against a, a way to, to Cincinnati, and and those look pretty daunting. So the pressure is on very much for the Timbers because, as we've seen, if if March problems are only March problems, you can recover from that. But if March problems bleed into April and bleed into May, then you're heading toward 2022 land. And that was not a great land. Go ahead and talk about Soph. Of course. And and just to put a pin in, in the, the Timbers. So, oh, stuff, now you tenth. put a pin in the Timbers. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> they, they're they 10th in the West right now. And, and so they're in that same territory despite the expanded playoff right now. Right. So they're they're on the edge despite the fact that nine teams for some strange money grubbing reason are able to make it to the MLS playoffs. But let's move on to the NWSL. The Portland Thorns 4-1 over Kansas City Current, the most watched regular season match in NWSL history on Big CBS last week. So exciting stuff for the league, uh, exciting stuff for the Thorns who who are becoming a, a national draw in that way. Uh, second most watched NWSL match ever behind you guessed it, last year's championship game between these two teams. Uh, so it, it's sort of a, a rivalry now at this point as, as rivalries begin to to develop. A pretty one-sided one, as, as many Thorns fans would like to point out. Um, Sophia Smith being one of the people that would point that out, too. She she had some words for uh, the fans that were against them. She said she, she loves playing in a place where people hate them. Uh, just just fully leaning into to the uh, bad girl thorns uh, mindset that that they're kind of having this year. You know, they're they're the the big evil empire type of uh, squad coming into every every game, and, and they're embracing it. And and you know what? They are they're they're inevitable. It's they're like a Death Star. You know, they they just they show up and um, so I just want to Crystal Dunn we, started we should, it out. I, I yes. want to stop right here because. Here's a problem. Yes. I don't know how the Death Star has become synonymous with sort of like inevitable or like the the kind of dominant forces. Because in terms of survival of movies, the Death Star is 0 for 2. Like not good. Not a good record at all. Like extremely not inevitable. (laughs) So I I really think in terms of this, this Star Wars metaphor... Find something else because the Death Star has a terrible, frankly, record in terms of, you know, actually being good. That is fair. I, I guess my yes, that's true. But but <laughs> I guess my rebuttal to that would be that the uh, the folks on Alderaan are not here to to defend themselves uh, much, much like last year's Kansas City current team is not. Um yeah, I mean it's it was still a, a killing machine, a, a a force to be reckoned with before its flaws were exposed twice. and it fell apart twice. twice. <laughs> and I think that that's a very real possibility for great sports teams, right? They it they always fall off the cliff eventually, unless you're like the Celtics in the fifties and sixties in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, the, eventually, you know, things stop happening whatever let's let's move on from the death Death star Star bad metaphor metaphor. bad metaphor moving on fine fine (laughs) (laughs) so had a hat trick in this game it was her first career nwsl hat trick she's had one for the national team so not first one by a long shot for her in her professional soccer life uh but a big moment regardless and and you know this game was was getting to be more competitive it was Two zip at the half. The Thorns were utterly dominant. They were throwing everything at the wall and could have been four or five stuck. zero at half. I mean, it could was... have been four or five zero at half, and and you know that would be the potential area of improvement. Is the volume of shots were great, the the run of play was great, but you know could they have slowed it down and been a little bit more clinical near the end to to get to three or four at half? I think so. 
and and that caused the game to be a little bit more tenuous in the early parts of the second half. KC being the the great team that they are, they're not quite healthy yet. In fact, they're not even close to healthy yet with all the players they have injured. But they came back and punched the thorns in the mouth. Still got a lot and, of folks and, who were on a you know championship appearing team last year who were yeah, on the and, field. Yeah. A lot of veteran players with with plenty of talent, plenty of ability to respond even to to the juggernaut that is the Thorns, and they got a goal back. It was two to one, and I was like, okay, is this gonna follow the script of some of Portland's uh, road games last year, where you know they dominated for a half, they took their foot a bit off the gas pedal, and it ended in a draw that shouldn't have been a draw, right? And and that was the reason, honestly, why the Thorns didn't win the Shield last year is they had too many games on the road where that was the case. This time was a lot different. Soph uh, kicked it into high gear. Uh, she got her second goal, and then she messed around and got a triple, and that was uh, that was a tremendous moment for her, but also for the team to just slam the door shut and say, okay, we're not going to mess around here. Uh, this is who we are. I love this game for the Thorns so much. I I love it so much for a lot of reasons. I think in the first half, they they showed some of that press that we didn't see a lot from them last year. And they showed that it can be really effective and that they can sort of seize a game with it against a good team. Still a good Kansas City team that was out there uh, on, on on the field. And uh, and I, I think that first half performance was remarkable in in that respect. I still do not think that the Thorns are inevitable, using whatever metaphor we want uh, in NWSL this year. I, I think they're I think it's just too deep of a league. It's just too good of a league for for anybody to be kind of a runaway presence. And I don't think the Thorns are going to be a runaway presence. And I admit, though, that there were times in that first half where I was like, oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I think we saw, though, that that early in the second half, that that's not necessarily the case. And that, I mean, Kansas City was really good for the first 15 minutes or so of the second half. They were really sharp. They were the team ta- pressing. They were the team taking initiative. And they bloodied the Thorns' nose. And then just the way that the Thorns regained control of the game and just sort of slowly squeezed the air out of it over the course of the middle 15 minutes in the second half, that's expert stuff. And and it also, because the Thorns didn't do it in the same way that they did it in the first half. They They were more compact. They weren't pressing nearly as high. But it was it was like watching a boa constrictor just sort of just just squeeze the air out of Kansas City. And they took a game that was really feeling like it was on the brink of being out of control uh, and and out of their hands and just totally seized it. And then Soph reentered the chat and ended it. Seeing a team play a few different ways in the course of a game effectively and control a game in different ways over the course of a game. That is the mark of an outstanding team that shows that the thorns aren't going to be the kind of team that you're going to have a clear playbook of this is how you play against them. And if you play this way, you're going to be able to beat them. There's none of that because the thorns can play a few different ways the thorns can beat you a few different ways and that that's a nightmare <laughs> that's a nightmare if you're if you're an if you're an opponent and then look i mean stepping back from from the team and and returning to the individual i remain baffled that sophia smith isn't a megastar in this country i don't get it she's got everything she's Unbelievable to watch. Unbelievable. She regularly, multiple times a season, does things that just make your jaw hit the floor. That Her second goal, jaw on the floor. Like, get me a spatula because that's what I'm going to need to get it off of the floor. Unbelievable. There are not five players in the world who can score that goal. Period. There are not five players in the world who can score that goal against professional 
like defenders just leaving defenders in her wake. And 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 then she comes back and, and the third goal was was just vicious. The way she sets up to the defender and then the second the defender she she very much like shaped her body like she was going to play Michelle Vasconcelos through. You get a nice profile if people should go read that. Really cool story. Oh, go read that on organlive.com. There you go. Plugging away. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm mostly like a, an amateur when it comes to this kind of stuff, but once in a while. Uh, <laughs> but but so shapes her body up like she's like she's primarily looking to play Vasconcelos through, but she drives right at the defender, which puts the defender in an impossible position. Defender's got a guess, right? At some point, the defender has to make a guess as to as to what Sofa's going to do, and the defender guessed that that she was going to play Vasconcelos through, because that really is is what it looked like. Smith was was gearing up to do. So the defender takes one step toward Vasconcelos, and the second she does that, Sophia pulls it onto her right foot and just buries it. I mean, just vicious. Like, you got no chance. There's not a defender in the world who has a chance in that moment. And that's superstar stuff. That's just mega star stuff. And so when I see... I mean, when I see like national team uh, press materials come out and Soph isn't on it, I don't get it. <laughs> she, I mean, she has everything. She is a, is a transcendent soccer player at this point. I think she is, she is legitimately one of the 10 best players in the world. And I don't even think that's a hot take. She was the NWSL MVP last year. She was the U.S. soccer player of the year last year. She has scored a bunch of goals she is on record setting goal space goal pace for the national team she scored a bajillion goals for her club i think she is one of the 10 best players in the world and that's not a hot take and i think there might not be like she might be in the upper half of that (laughs) and she's 20 and she's 22 years old she's charismatic she has the like unbelievable superstar ability to find slights to be motivated by where like there are no apparent slights to the outside world. Uh, she has that chip on her shoulder. I mean, that's something that, that, that like, you know, folks like LeBron James and Michael Jordan have been like known for having. I think that's the space that she is occupying in terms of women's soccer. So why isn't Sophia Smith a megastar? I think there are a lot of factors at play here. The, the, the game is growing. The, the, the women's game is, is becoming more popular. We, we see it in the TV numbers. We see it um, in social media interactions. We see it whatever quantifiable way we can measure the popularity of an individual sport. It's happening. The NWSL is happening, right? I think there is an opportunity here for a number of players, not just Soph, but I think for Sophia in particular, uh, for this World Cup to be a massive catalyst for that. There, there's the excitement residually off of the Men's World Cup um, and how exciting and, and fun that was to watch. Um, there is more excitement separately about this this Women's World Cup than I think there has been in my lifetime in terms of, of watching it, in terms of the star power, the the different countries involved, the money that surrounds it. Um, everything leads me to believe that this 2023 World Cup is going to be for people that are not like you and me, who are not a witness to this greatness on a, on a weekly basis. It's going to be a breakthrough for them. It's going to be an opportunity for them to to become familiar with Sophia Smith, hear her story, um, see her and the importance of her representation uh, for young black girls playing soccer in the U.S. It's going to be an important thing to see her personality and, and how charismatic and fun and funny she is and um, and how much of a just ruthless competitor she is on the field as well. You, you hearkened her to, to players like LeBron James and Michael Jordan in basketball, um, you know, comparing her directly to somebody in her own sport who's her national team teammate in Alex Morgan. Um, she's like Alex Morgan with, I think, more exciting stuff around her in terms of the the personality of the the life the the history her her game is more entertaining 
than than I think Alex's is from just a, a pure um, entertainment standpoint. And yet at this right? age, you Alex Morgan her. was a megastar. Yeah. Yeah, and and that, there there are some things to thing. talk about talk about there that I I always am reluctant to talk about because Morgan deserves just on her own merits to be a megastar. Yeah, you hate to compare people in that way because it it acts as though you're pitting them right, right, and other, which is not and the case not what at all. We want to do, yeah, yeah. I so like I agree with everything you just said that that there's a big opportunity with the World Cup and 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 that it sort of is a a, a real opportunity for you know a coming out party so to speak. Uh, with this kind of stuff i don't understand why it hasn't happened to date though she has everything has all the characteristics uh and and in a, in a moment where women's soccer has been taking off women's sports have been taking off hearkening to the uh the the women's final four that draw drew just unbelievable numbers and had some unbelievable action in it and storylines some of which were ridiculous but some of which were cool <laughs> uh and so this is a, it feels very much, and I think it very much just is, it doesn't just feel like it, like a moment in which people are starting to figure out that all of the reasons that they have set aside women's sports in the past are just dumb. And theoretically, somebody's figuring out that there's a lot of money to be made here uh, by by highlighting these women, spotlighting these women and, and, and showing how spectacular they are uh, at what they do. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why Sophia Smith isn't on every billboard in Portland selling whatever thing. <laughs> like I, I don't get it uh, because because I, I I think she has all of the characteristics, uh, including those on the field. And uh, I, I it's it's been awesome to watch. I, I, we talked a lot last year about how she was going supernova. And like that was that was the one hundred percent right take. <laughs> like we were we were talking about it as it was happening. She is now a supernova. It's there. It's happening. It's right in front of your faces. And uh, for some reason, people still seem to have not really noticed. And you know what? For her, for her taking motivation out of things that she sees and hears and you know, searching for a chip, if a chip may not exist in terms of uh, putting one on her shoulder. Uh, this is a real one. This is a, this is a chip. Like people got to give her more credit, man. She is, she is a superstar athlete. And um, I'm confident that this world cup will be that catalyst. I, I do think that, you know, if there is a breakthrough moment for her, you know, it would be this. There are residual things too, like, you know, the pandemic's impact on sports and um, just just general fatigue people have with, you know, the saturation of sports on television. I, all of those things factor in. I'm not necessarily saying those are reasons or excuses, but there there's a lot at play there. And and the fact that these these old stars, these these veteran stars are still playing still part of the national team, people like Becky Sauerbrunn, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan. The fact that they're still here means that most of the spotlight in, in terms of the women's game uh, is going to surround them until they're done. And then at that point, you, I think it will be easier for people to embrace Soph as the face of, of soccer in this country more specifically after those players are done with the national team and, and she becomes the face of the national team, but also as she continues year after year to, to dominate in the NWSL, the the question at this point will be how long does she stay in the NWSL and, and how could a potential move overseas down the line in her career uh, potentially impact that, that, recognition on the part of of american soccer i think that's a whole other can of worms and 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 sofa's expressed a desire at some point to go try to play in europe and and look i i don't i don't blame her at all uh i think it is a very different landscape though than it is on the men's side and i think the quote going to europe question is a very different question uh on on the women's side than it is on the men's side because i don't think that the leagues in europe are markedly better than nwsl i don't think they're getting more eyeballs on them than NWSL is. 
And I think there will be an argument that if she starts getting the credit that she deserves, and she already deserves it, she's been deserving it for a while, but if she starts to get it, are there going to be incentives to keep her in the U.S.? Uh, because it's uh, with the and, – and we'll see what the landscape looks like in five or six or seven years. But, I mean, she's got the eyeballs of the United States or at least has the access to the eyeballs of the United States right now. Uh, and I'm not sure she would have that if she went and played for Leon or whoever. Uh, and, and, and so that, that'll be an interesting question. Um, I selfishly hope that she is a thorn for life. Uh, and, uh, and she scores, she continues to score a bajillion goals for the thorns and just dominates, uh, in Portland forever. That is my preferred, uh, that is my preferred path, but obviously she has other designs, other ambitions. Uh, and I think it'll be interesting to see how those questions play out. Could you imagine like a Christine Sinclair length career for Sophia Smith in Portland? Just, just she, she would be the mayor, like ha- not even halfway through that 20 years, um, which would, would be that type of length of a career. Obviously sink has, has played 11. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think I would, I would vote for her too <laughs> unabashedly. You know, I, I think technically as a journalist, I'm not supposed to say who I would vote for. I'm not supposed to show bias. Yeah. These are, these are, <laughs> these are very clear and very serious political endorsements we're making right now. <laughs> I am representing the Oregonian. No, I, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, she, she would be a God in this town. If she stuck around that already long. Is. already is at this point, people just don't know. It and yet. Pe- people, people that are outside of our, our little bubble need to know. Uh, so let's, let's start that campaign on this podcast and keep it rolling because Soph is great. The rest of the team, as, as we, have discussed minimally, but not quite in in depth was excellent across the board in in this game against KC Uh, continued what they built on in Orlando and were better. Um, Defensive shape was great. Becky Sauerbrunn continues to be awesome. She is awesome game from Becky. Kelly was solid. Both outside backs did their jobs. Kling and Quika both who, who at times, if you had to point to a, potential area of the field where they they might have been a little up and down last year that was it they were not up and down they were solid all the way through and i think the biggest difference maker other than Soph in this game uh was crystal dominated the first i think she was she was dominant in the first half disruptive in the midfield uh and was strong for the 20-ish minutes she played in the second half before they subbed her off now those were subs that you and i texting during the game we were like oh i don't know about that is that the right move and it actually worked out really well I, I think that you know bringing in uh Dequila bringing in uh Olivia Moultrie brought a different look that you know made things a little more interesting and how um, impressive is it that they were able to take back control of the game after making those subs right took off uh Hina and, and Crystal, Crystal Dunn, Dunn two of the most important players on the team and two of their best players in the first half yeah took them off at the moment when they were probably most exposed, literally immediately after they, they conceded the goal. And next woman up, they came on and did what they needed to do for the team to, to take control. That, that, was, that was really impressive. Uh, almost as impressive as the first half. Uh, that they were, that they were able, able to regain control of that and then get the game into a posture where Soph was going to be able to, to end it. That really really good stuff yeah i mean from from bella all the way up to soph you you cannot find an issue with what what this thorns team is, is doing right now uh hina has been on a tear she, she's been playing really well um everybody yeah <laughs> I, I i i try to run through the lineup in in my head and think oh um where are some potential areas of individual improvement i can't find it now where are some potential areas of team improvement cashing in on, on opportunities would be what you say. They've scored eight goals in two games. (laughs) It's just soccer. It's hard to score goals. That's, that's just how it goes. 
<laughs> yeah, it might just be soccer. They might actually be really good at it. And, and you know, you're searching for negatives where they aren't there. Yeah, I, that's the that's the fun part about this team. And like you, you said it last week, if you're not watching the Thorns right now, I don't know what, what you're are you doing. doing. I don't know. I don't know why you're you're putting yourself through like, I, you know, I've had fun watching Skylar Mays lead the Portland <laughs> Trailblazers through this tank. And I've had I've had fun reading the injury reports with like sore lumbar and like sore calf for all these guys like they're like putting Shaden Sharp I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put on myself the- <laughs> on an injury report sore sore so lumbar can't come into the office today uh yeah. so yeah I mean are is anybody gonna gonna like like anybody who's choosing to watch the Blazers and the Spurs attempt to realize the first scoreless draw in NBA history tonight but is not watching <laughs> the Portland Thorns play spectacular soccer like I'm like stop punishing yourself stop yeah, punishing I mean, they- yourself Thankfully, they're not playing on the same day. So if you really do want to watch some Tank Fest, go for it. There's good shows on like Netflix <laughs> and, and, you know, AMC Plus and uh, and Paramount Plus, whatever your preferred streaming uh, method. None of these are sponsors of this program, but the <laughs> those, those are options. I'm telling you other than watching the Tank the, the thorns though if if they're competing for your attention with other sports right now march madness is over the masters are happening this weekend and are going to be done there's no thorns game this weekend um if they're on the same day or time as the timbers uh that seems pretty easy in terms of a choice at at this point um, unless you want to do the split screen thing which i know that there are plenty of ptfc fans out there that would be happy to do that although you'll be watching one of the screens more than the other in all likelihood. Yes. Just, just, just give, like you said, allow yourself to experience joy. Our, our life and our American experience these days can be a little dreary, can be a little, <laughs> uh, little cynicism inducing, if you will. And, and what are, what are sports, if not an escape from the problems of the day right that's right there you and go. if you want to escape from the problems of the day watch the thorns that sounds like a good tagline the thorns comms folks <laughs> can take that up open source yeah i i <laughs> i think given everything else that has swirled around the club they would be happy to embrace <laughs> such a thing to say to say see look this is fun we're having fun and they they're are. tremendously fun it, and they're tremendously fun. Unfortunately, we don't get to talk about them next week, so the, this might be a dark podcast uh, next week. We're, we're 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 putting all our chips on the timbers, which is, I mean, not the best place. Which, to put your chips? No, it's it's not. It, it would be nice if they pulled out <laughs> three points and we had had a little positivity to to bring to the pod. But it's going to be tough. Ugly turf up at, at BC Place. A team that is ripe for the picking if you're the if you're the timbers trying to beat the white caps i'm looking forward to to seeing what happens either way and discussing it next week but otherwise it might be weather made in portland yeah there'll be some weather made in portland we might <laughs> talk rainy. some uh yeah rain there's your there's your segment um rain cold sleet sun all within a 30 minute span i was in bend this last Whatever. weekend uh, and got yeah. to experience my first extended stretch of what I would call as sun snow, where it was Ooh. snowing, but completely sunny. And I, I, it was curious. It was, it was truly something else. You went, you went blind completely then with the, the brightness that comes off the, yeah. Like there was, the there wasn't much snow on yeah. the ground, but there was like legit snow falling. It wasn't just like blow snow blowing off a tree. And there were like I would describe very scattered clouds, mm. but it was also just full on sunny, and not for like a minute. It's not like one of those moments where like the sun is shining at an angle. It was like for an extended stretch. It was it was wild. So yeah, maybe we can talk about that next week. We'll think of other topics. Yeah, some Central Oregon related topics. If we've yeah. got listeners out there, which I, I would assume we soccer made in Portland road little... trip. Yeah, we'll we'll take a little virtual road trip. Um, you took a real one, but we'll <laughs> we'll maybe chat about some Central Oregon related topics. I I happened to live there for a period of about four months uh, out of college. Nice. Uh, that was that was my first job for for the Bulletin hey. out in Bend. Uh, met met some uh, 
some fine folks there, uh, but found a better opportunity up here uh, in Newburgh. Newburgh. Hmm. The, the old New, Ben to New- Newburgh pipeline. The Ben to Newburgh pipeline is tremendous. Um, but yeah, that was that was my journey. Ben to Newburgh, Newburgh to the Oregonian. So And here you are. Little about me. And here here we are talking Timbies and Thorns. Did you did you make some eggies on, uh, on I did on not Saturday? make eggies. I had a <laughs> breakfast sandy from Sparrow, which was incredible. Uh, if if you've never place. been to, to to Sparrow, this is again not sponsored content. This comes straight from the heart. Uh, if you've never been to Sparrow Bakery in Bend, they've got a spot in St. John's now too. But if you want like the full experience, go to the one in Bend. You 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 got to go. You got to get a breakfast sandwich, and then you got to get an ocean roll. The ocean roll is like their their signature pastry, and it is it's it's a little it, it's a little slice of heaven. Honestly, put Sophia Smith on a billboard with Sparrow ocean rolls. I'm in. Deal. I can envision it now. Put it. Put it. <laughs> put it in downtown Portland. Put it in Bend uh, with our our fine folks in Central Oregon. I would. Uh, I would love to see it because Sparrow is excellent. Yeah, and so is Sophie. Yeah, Sophia Smith is the soccer equivalent of of what the ocean roll is to pastries. They are the 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 finest of their their you know two respective worlds. <laughs> number we'll do pastry rankings next week pastry rankings made here in on soccer made in portland send your favorite pastries to at soccer made in pdx on twitter or at ryan t clark and at chris reifer uh follow us there as well uh that will be where i post a little uh injury update action today today being thursday april 6th uh later today that'll be on twitter um make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your pods uh and like us on your respective podcasting networks as well. Review us if you want. We'd love some new reviews to tell us how we're doing in these last several weeks. So if you've got some, some thoughts, good or bad, or I should say good or constructive, feel free to, uh, to throw those in. We'll be back next week to talk timbers, maybe a little national team and definitely some pastries. So thanks for joining us y'all.